Welcome to Addiction and the Family, Episode 4, Relationships in Early Recovery. How has addiction affected your family? It robbed me of my father. Addiction's affected my family in absolutely every way. Um, it has caused a lot of turmoil. It goes back to what I understand is at least three generations. It robbed my daughter of her mother. It robbed my mother of her daughter. Addiction has made our family quite challenging. Addiction affected my family tremendously. Uh, it's affected my relationship with my sister where I wouldn't I'd go for months without talking to her. It's a very difficult thing for everybody involved. It doesn't just affect the, the one individual. It's a disease that affects the whole family. Addiction has spread not only genetically through like some of my uh, relatives and I assume ancestors. It's uh, generational. I think of him every day. Welcome to Addiction in the Family, a podcast by and for family members of anyone with an addiction. My name is Casey Arriaga and I'm a social worker and addiction counselor at both Windmill Wellness Ranch and In Mind Out Emotional Wellness Centers in Texas. I've led hundreds of family workshops, but I've also lived the experience of being family to addiction as both a child and adult. My wife Kira and I were in our addictions together for over a decade and now have been in recovery together for almost 20 years. Join us as we offer experience, strength, and realistic hope about how you and your family can find recovery together. Today, we begin our Spotlight on Recovery series. In each of these episodes, we explore issues of addiction and the family through the lens of a particular family's story. In this episode, we will examine the many facets of the family recovery experience in an interview with a young married couple who are both in early recovery. While some listeners may think, that doesn't apply to me because it doesn't look like what I'm going through, if you follow along, you will find that many of the issues this couple are facing are the same that any family faces when one or more family members are newly sober from their addictions. All this and more after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Addiction in the Family is brought to you in part by the generous support of Windmill Wellness Ranch, an innovative treatment center located in the beautiful hill country of Texas and serving clients and their families from throughout the United States. I'm Shannon Mollish, CEO of Windmill Wellness Ranch. We offer the best in neurotechnology to heal the brain and the best therapy to heal the mind. Call us today at 210-762-6217. Welcome back. Relationships at any time of life can be tricky, so if you throw early recovery into the mix, it can be a real challenge. While there's no set rule or even set definition of what constitutes early recovery, the common wisdom in many fellowships is that romantic and sexual entanglements should be avoided in the first year of recovery. Few listen seriously to this advice, and even fewer follow it. On top of this, many people enter recovery already in a relationship. While some of these relationships may not be serious or may have been based in mutual using and enabling, there are plenty of people who are married or in other serious long-term relationships when they stop their addictive acting out. What can be said for those of us who are making this drastic life change while still trying to keep our relationships intact? Let's hear from a few people who have personal experience. What is the hardest thing about being in a relationship in early recovery? So there's a lot of different forms of relationships. For me, when I was um, romantic relationships is difficult. Um, early recovery, I, I did get into a relationship early in recovery and we stayed together and we both stayed sober. But there was a lot of growing pains. Um, discovering who I was and discovering who they were. Being able to kind of mold with each other. But at the same time, um, some of that kind of grew apart. Um, for my 
you know, personal relationships with family and friends. Um, I've lost a lot of friends. I've gained a lot of friends. And sometimes for um, family, it's sometimes the most difficult for me because I see that a lot of my family doesn't change even when I start getting healthier and um, start getting to a point where uh, I don't act out in the same behaviors, but all of a sudden I'm realizing that, that the same people stay the same way. I think the hardest thing about relationships in early recovery is that, like, I, I don't know who I am as a person. It was hard having, you know, that trust with someone. It was hard just being in a relationship because, like, all I knew before was just, like, my addiction. I think the hardest thing is working with my insecurities, you know, really trusting that my higher power has made me a certain way and that's special. And I guess trying to get the other person to see that, you know, but I guess insecurities for sure. The hardest thing in my opinion would be not knowing exactly who you are and your partner not knowing exactly who they are or what they want because in early recovery you haven't truly grown into the person that you're going to be, right? So as time passes on, man, you start to become different people and those people can sometimes grow apart as a result of growing spiritually. Did we have our bumps in the road? Yeah, we did, right? Like, like we fought, you know, um, in the beginning it was like, why are you going to a meeting at 9 o'clock at night? Intimacy, engaging in healthy intimacy, especially with someone who you've um, been intimate before, um, under the influence of substances, and then having to re-engage in a healthy manner and being able to set boundaries, um, that's difficult. It's difficult. So as luck would have it, Kira and I were actually married 10 years when we got into early recovery. Yeah, that was lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. Was it? Well, it's it's lucky now because we can share some experience, strength, Uh, and hope. Yeah, you're right. So when I look at it, really, we both each watched the other one go through early recovery while in relationship together one at a time. And to be honest, even at the time, I did think I was lucky. Oh, thank you. Well, the reality is, is that it was difficult. I wasn't sure what you were going to think of me when I got sober. I wasn't sure if you were still going to like me or love me. I wasn't even sure if I was going to like me or love me, but I don't know what it was like for you when you first got sober. It never occurred to me that you wouldn't like me anymore. So you're cooler than I am. Apparently. Yeah. I had already started liking myself by the time I got into recovery. I just didn't want to be an addict. And once it was brought to my attention that I was an addict, I felt like I needed to change. Like that alone was almost enough to, to be a bottom for me, except that of course my, you know, my body had suffered, my career had suffered and I generally wasn't all that happy. So I needed recovery on a lot of levels. You know, when I came into the relationship, um, I loved you so much. I still wanted to hide a lot of my problems from you. And there were a lot that were hidden from me. So when things came to light 10 years in and um, and I started to get sober, I was kind of afraid that you might not like me anymore. You were afraid you wouldn't be cool anymore. And I got to practice being less judgmental when you got into recovery. And see, what I never knew was I wasn't that cool in the first place. <laughs> but everyone thought you were. 
<laughs> Had them all fooled. What can I tell you? <laughs> Meanwhile, nobody thought I was cool. So there you go. And I was. I was totally cool. Yeah, and you didn't know it. So one cool thing is that as we've developed on our relationship, we've been in recovery together now for 18 years, um, I think we've gotten a lot cooler. I think so, too. Yeah, I liked us a lot in the first yeah. place, but I like us even better now. Mm-hmm. One thing that you know a person is cool if they can admit that they're cool. You know, that's funny. I never thought about that Yeah, way. that's what they say. Is, is that what they mm-hmm. say? Yeah. <laughs> well... You know, I know that we went through an amazing uh, journey of recovery so far, but all the stuff we're talking about was decades ago for us, and we're going to hear from a couple who have been going through this much more recently. Yeah, listening to the interview that you did with them is fascinating for me because because it is so new and it's so raw, and their relationship is so vulnerable. Each of them is vulnerable, too, um, in a way that... I haven't felt in a long time, but I can relate to completely. Absolutely. Me too. It took me back to a lot of things, which gives me a lot of hope for them. So without further ado, let's hear that interview. Jay and Myra, welcome to Addiction in the Family. Why don't you each introduce yourselves, if you would, by first name? Um, I'm Jay. And I'm Myra. It's great to have you guys on the show. I'll start by asking... What has you two on a show called Addiction and the Family? (laughs) You want to go first? Okay, sure. Well, we are sitting here because I myself am an addict alcoholic, and I went to treatment about five months ago. So I've been clean and sober for five months today, actually. So that's why we're sitting here. That's why I'm sitting here. (laughs) And I'm sitting here, one, as her spouse, So a family member of an addict, um, and also as an addict myself. And how did you come to the conclusion that you also have addiction? I had an inkling years ago just because of different things that had gone on, but learning about what addiction actually is, that it's actually a disease and not a choice, um, and that it's not just drugs um, or alcohol, that there can be many other things that are addictions because of how they affect the brain and the body. So really it's only been since she went to treatment that I realized, oh, there's things in my life that qualify me as an addict myself. Well, that's a really good insight. There's a term that I've started using for that, which I call cascading recovery. When the recovery of one family member leads to the recovery of another family member and perhaps other family members after that follow suit. I heard you saying that Jay going to a treatment center and getting the education that you picked up really helped, but how much would you say her recovery directly influenced yours? I mean, it definitely took her going to treatment for me to take a deeper look at myself um, and what was going on in my life and what the ways that I was coping that weren't just coping skills or sad coping skills or lack of coping skills but it really was when she started to get some time in treatment and she started to um, like her clarity came back and she was gaining more sobriety and really when she came home that I was like okay this recovery stuff like it actually can change people Um, because when I met her she was sober but she's completely different from that even then 
she's really in recovery. I think that that really is what inspired me to even consider trying it for myself. And that leads into a really important concept in family work, and that's what's known as the identified patient model. And in the identified patient model, there's this thought within the family that one person in the family is the one with the problem. And if that person's problems would be solved, then the family's problems would be solved. And this is an illusion that I've seen a lot of families fall into, and yet I've never worked with any family I can think of where if the one person got better, the whole family was fine. Maybe they would be able to ignore their other problems if the one person was doing better, but that's not the same thing as being able to solve them. And I wonder, what experience have you guys had with that? And Jay, maybe you could start us out. Yeah, um, I think my family definitely thought that about me. But it's not just me. I mean, even though I've been clean and sober now for five months, we still have the family issues that we always had. And my family doesn't um, like to talk about it. You know, like none of them are really involved in my recovery, nor do they seek support from like Al-Anon or anything like that. So that's kind of been hard for me because I'm getting healthy, but I feel like they're not in a way. And how about within your marriage? Yeah, that was definitely me. I think because my drug use and alcohol use was way more out there and extreme. Um, So even though Myra has her issues as well, they weren't seen as as extreme. Whereas for me, um, my, you know, using was to the extreme. Um, And so therefore it felt like I stood out more as the problem. So did you have the idea that if you got better, everything would be fine? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought that plenty of times. There was a couple of times that I relapsed and withdrew at home on the couch in the arms of my wife. And, you know, that happened twice. And I thought, yeah, if, if I could just get better, everything would get, everything would be better. None of this would be happening, but that wasn't true. You know, for me personally, drugs and alcohol were just the symptoms of what's going on inside of me and what was going on between us. But yeah, I definitely had had times where I felt like, God, if I could just make this go away, you know, she'll love me. We won't fight. Everything will just be better. But that's just not the case. You take away the the symptoms, which is drug and al- alcoholism, you know, we're still left with all those underlying things that we need to work through. And Myra, I wonder, in your family, were you the identified patient or was it somebody else? Um, no, it was definitely me in my, um, in my growing up and stuff. Um, I had a lot of, um, issues with like mental health, depression, anxiety, um, and it was very much those things don't exist um, in our world. I came from a super religious background, um, and so it was always just pray about it and it will go away. Um, And so it was always if Meyer could just get better, then our family would be better and look better. And um, I was always told, we, you know, you guys live in a glass house. Um, so you need to keep X, Y, and Z image up. Um, and obviously that wasn't true because, I mean, 
you know, my sister had her own thing and my parents have their own things and um, our family still isn't better, so to speak, you know. Um, But as far as our marriage is concerned, I definitely, to a fault, thought if Jay just got better, everything would be fine. If she would just stop using, if she would just stop drinking, even down to if she would just go to therapy and she could still drink, you know, if she just stopped using, then everything would be fine. Because I I didn't think that I was the problem. I didn't think, I mean, there were, you know, fights and arguments that we would have that I could see my side in, but I didn't think that I was the problem. I, you know, my thought was always, all I'm doing is loving you. All I'm doing is being there for you. And I'm the one that, you know, comes to you first. And um, that was a huge wake up call. It was like smack in the face, actually. It wasn't a wake up call um, to realize like, no, that's not the case. Because here she was in treatment getting better and I wasn't getting better. And it was like all of these things, not only was I not getting better, but I was realizing there were more and more things that needed to get better on my end. And even down to when she came home and it was like she came home just this different person with this zest for life and wanting to do things right this time and taking her recovery seriously. And I wasn't at that place. And so it was like, yeah, no, it's not just one person. And that was really hard to admit because I thought I would, I just took care of her and I just loved her. And there was a time where I thought that if I did that hard enough, if I showed her like that I was never gonna leave or whatever, if I could do it, you know, if I could just prove to her that that would be enough to get her to stop. And that wasn't the case. I mean, we got married (laughs) and it still didn't work. (laughs) And I mean, looking back now, like I'm super thankful for that, but it's it's kind of a funny story to tell people, you know, but I really thought it would. I really thought like, when I said, fix everything. What can I do to show you, you know, that I love you and I'm not leaving? And she said, marry me. And I did. And it still didn't do anything. And I was like, okay, I guess I can't fix her. But she still needs to be fixed. (laughs) And what was that moment like for you? To realize that I couldn't fix her? Well, it was the day before she came home from treatment that I realized it. (laughs) Um, It was a relieving moment um, because I carried carried the weight of how far she had gotten in her drug use. I I carried that blame um, just because of how our relationship had been up into when she went to treatment um, because like she had said, her drug use was so out there and so apparent um, that it got to a point where I told her to leave. And that's when she really kind of went off the deep end and so I blamed myself. And the whole time that she was in treatment, my goal was to make sure that when she came home, everything was the right way and everything was how she needed it to be to make her world easy so that she 
didn't have any stressors other than just coming home from treatment. And when I realized that I couldn't do that and that it wasn't my fault and that I couldn't keep her sober, it was scary. It was a scary thought, but it was also a relieving thought because I realized that my job was just to love her and to support her. And so it took a lot of the weight away because I realized I could just be her wife and I didn't have to, I didn't have to keep her sober. I just get to love her and I get to watch her stay sober for herself. That's really beautiful. I wonder though, did it bother you after all that effort that you weren't the one that was able to get her sober? I don't think for me that it was so much that somebody else was able to help her get sober as much as it was I wasn't the one who was able to get her to go to treatment. Once she was here, I was so happy that she was in treatment. I was relieved just that she was safe. That thought never really crossed my mind that it wasn't me helping her get sober. But I definitely was resentful that I wasn't the one that got to take her to treatment. And then on the other side of it, I was resentful that I got to see her get well and come home. And then I didn't get to have the same help that she did in going to treatment. Well, what got in the way? Life, insurance, jobs, money, myself. Can you talk about that a little more? Fear. Fear of going. Um, the, the treatment center that was um, seemed like a good option was in Dallas, and that's that was really far. Um, and I didn't want to go to Dallas, and so I didn't go to Dallas. And that was really the biggest thing. And at that point was when I kind of was like, okay, I'm not going to treatment because um, I'm not going to Dallas. And the treatment center in San Antonio um, wouldn't take me unless I went to Dallas. And I was like, well, I'm not going to Dallas, so I'm not going to treatment. <laughs> mm. And it's difficult to hear that it's so hard for people to get into treatment. And it's a hard thing for a lot of family members to watch their loved one go through. And I wonder for you, Jay, what was this like? It's been hard. It's been hard for me because I've, I've watched her hurt and I've watched her struggle and I've had some guilt around that, you know, that I can't give her the same, you know, resources and care that I got. It, it makes me feel good though that in seeing me in my recovery, it's influenced her to want that more. And that has helped me f knowing that I'm doing the right thing, that she sees that and she sees that it can work. Because in the beginning, she was not foregoing to treatment at all. That changed, you know, with her seeing what recovery and treatment has done for me. And, uh, Life happens, insurance happens, money happens, and so we decided, well, you know, we're working close with our family doctor, and it's helped a lot, she's come a long way. Um, so that's why we started considering like an outpatient, you know, thing like three days a week or something like that. Um, but I'm, I want her to have that experience because there's nothing like bonding with the people you're in treatment with. You know, you know that you're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not unique in your struggles, in your hurts, you know, or your addictions. If you're taking it seriously and you want to be well, it's a good experience. 
Um, it was for me anyway. It's not easy by no means. Um, or, you know, it's not like we're up here all day just having fun at the pool, you know. I mean, we're doing therapy all day. We're digging in deep. and um, But that's the work you put in when you want to be sober. And I wanted her to experience that. And I've had, you know, to accept that, you know, I'm not in control of that. And so when it happens, it's going to happen for the right reasons, not because I forced it to happen. Absolutely. After a quick break, we're going to hear more from Myra and Jay about the best and hardest things about their marriage and early recovery and where they find a sense of family and support in this difficult time in their lives. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Addiction and the Family is made possible in part by you, our listeners, through the power of Patreon. If you want to help support this podcast, simply drop by our support page at patreon.com slash addictionandthefamily, or alternatively, go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Addiction and the Family. Any level of support helps us carry the message, and official patrons get sneak peek excerpts from my book in progress, Realistic Hope, The Family Survival Guide for Facing Alcoholism and Other Addictions. Visit our page on Patreon for details. Welcome back. Let's hear more from that interview we did with Jay and Myra about their marriage and early recovery. And so what have been some of the benefits and drawbacks of being married to someone else in early recovery? Hmm. Why don't you go first? (laughs) I think some of the benefits have been the inspiration and um, the understanding of how hard it can be to stay sober and to fight those days where you're like, I just want to drink, like for no other reason than I just want to drink and I can't get the thought out of my head. Um, And to have somebody that understands that and isn't like, what's wrong with you? So to have that where you don't have to explain yourself is definitely a benefit because you can just be like, I'm having a really bad day and I just need you to be here. Um, And they get it. And that, for me personally, has been a huge benefit. It's made us grow closer together um, because we've been in each other's shoes, like, from all sides of the table now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that's, I think, given us more patience and compassion for the other person. Like, I'm slower to get upset when Jay has a bad day versus before I would be like, can you just get your crap together? And she just wants to be there however she can. So I definitely think the, the biggest benefit would be you have someone literally right next to you who gets it and can support you, um, no questions asked, and, and, and can love you and knows how to love you because they know what it feels like. One of my biggest challenges is to hear her say she has to put her recovery first. As her wife, I feel like it should be me and then her recovery. Even though I've I've heard people say in the program, anything you put before your recovery, you're going to lose. And I, like, logically get that. Um, But my selfish wife heart says (laughs) that's garbage and I should be above your 12-step program. 
So that's been something that's been really hard for me because I've had times where I'm like, I'm not as important to you as your sponsor is, or I'm not as important to you as working on your 12-step program or doing your step work or going to a meeting. That's been a challenge. Another challenge has been not being in the same place um, as far as recovery goes. Um, I have 90 days, she has five months. She's worked her steps and I haven't. And so it's hard because she has a lot more knowledge and not to say that she knows everything or she has it all figured out as far as recovery goes, because I don't think that she thinks that way. Um, But I definitely have had times where I'm like, you think that you know everything because you have more sobriety than me. Um, and that's me wanting to pick a fight because that's the kind of person that I am. (laughs) Um, and I try not to do that, but, um, but that has been a challenge is not being in the same place and, and me being hard on myself and telling myself that I'm not as good as she is because she has more sobriety than I do. Yeah. That is an issue that can definitely come up for couples in recovery, especially when they have different lengths of sobriety. And I wonder, Jay, um, what are the benefits and costs that you've seen? One of the benefits for me has been that I know I'm, I'm not alone. We can be honest with each other and about how we're feeling about our addictions. You know, we're, we're not dancing around it anymore, you know. Um, or just shoving it under the rug like we actually can talk about it and process through it and it be okay. And it actually is bringing us closer together. One of the challenges for me personally is because I'm an addict alcoholic, I recognize the behaviors and I see them and I see them in my wife and sometimes it's really hard for me not to um, sponsor her, so to speak. You know, because she's, she needs to have her own recovery. She needs to have her own sponsor, you know, work her own steps. And if she asks me for advice or she asks me what I think about this or that, you know, I give her my experience, strength, and hope, but that's where I have to leave it. And sometimes it's hard for me to, because I am a little further along, it's hard for me not to, you know, want to, like, take control of that and be like, you know, you should be doing this and this and this, you know. Um, So that's been a little bit hard for me at times. For me, this is the only relationship, marriage that I've been in where my wife has had an addiction or a mental illness. Um, My previous relationships, I didn't have that. So, you know, my wife has a few mental illnesses and so it's been challenging for me to learn about those things and learn how to, you know, to help her through those things because I've never experienced that before. But, um, you know, every day we, we learn a little bit more and we grow a little bit more. And sometimes it's really, really hard. You know, our therapist has this, gives us this picture of our, our mountain, you know, and he's like, you know, you guys have climbed so far up the mountain, you know, why piss it away now? You know, like, so it's, uh, it's been good. It's been good for us to be both addict alcoholics and in recovery together and I we still have a hell of a lot to learn and thank God that we've had people in our lives that are couples in the same situation and you know they've given us hope you know that this can work you know we 
stick to it. You know, this this can work. It doesn't always have to end in disaster, you know. And um, that's been very helpful, and I'm grateful for that, too. Mm, that's really beautiful. And if I may ask, what has family involvement looked like for you, too, and how would you say it's affected your recovery? Jay, maybe you could take this one first. Uh, well, for me, um, there has not really been any support um, from my family. Well, there is now that I've been home, it's gotten a little bit better. But while I was um, in treatment, my family, my family, I mean, they wouldn't even come up to see me, you know, on visitations and family workshops. And, um, and the reason they wouldn't come up was because my wife was here with me and, you know, they don't agree with our, our marriage. And, and, um, so I really haven't had any support and it's, you know, I don't n n necessarily know how that's affected my recovery as far as in a negative way. This, I've just learned to accept that, that that's the way it is. Like, I wish they would be more involved. Like your um, lecture on bio of addiction. I wish my family could sit through that and, and see like this is actually a disease. Like it's not just your daughter run ragged, you know, or your sister not caring about life or not caring about anybody else. And um, I wish that, you know, they could hear those things and understand those things and because I feel like they would understand me more. Or even going to Al-Anon meetings themselves. I've even brought it up to them a few times and it's always like, we're okay or, you know, like it, like they're not part of the problem. You know, it's all me. I wished we could have had family counseling, you know, with my mom and my my brother and sister, but they just wouldn't come. And, uh, you know, that that didn't stop me from moving forward in my recovery because I know this time around, since my relapse and getting sober again, that I'm doing this for myself and nobody else. Absolutely. And Myra, how has family involvement uh for you and how would you say it's affected your recovery you're asking about my biological family yes yeah they are not involved um, at all in my recovery I've told them you know on the way to an, an, a meeting I'm sorry I can't answer your phone call right now you know um, I think that happened on Thanksgiving and my mom's response was AA on Thanksgiving and I was like well yeah that's where a lot of our family is um, so that's kind of their involvement is not. Um, as far as it affecting my recovery, um, I think the biggest thing that it's affected is me learning that my family doesn't have to be the people that I share DNA with. We have a huge family now that she's gone to treatment. Um, people that love us and accept us more than I think either one of us have ever felt from our biological families in recovery. So if anything, it's affected my recovery for the good because it's broadened my idea of what family is and what family looks like. And it's opened up the doors for us to have relationships with people. We still keep in touch with people who she was in treatment with. Um, we spent Thanksgiving with them. And that 
that to me it means more than having some you know nonchalant acknowledgement from the people who raised me and it's brought us closer together because yeah. we we've had to make a choice of are we going to let the fact that our families don't support us in our recovery or our marriage are we going to let that cause us to be like oh poor us we wish or are we going to let that be like we have each other and we have these other people so we don't have to focus on the negative and that's what we've chosen to do and so it's brought us closer together as well so yeah it's actually you know you hear those horror stories like it just tears people apart and at one point it did at one point it really did tear us apart but we just choose not to like you said we have other family that actually you know genuinely care and support us um, that we don't share DNA with. And I mean, I get more love and support from all of you guys than, you know, my, my brother. I, bear, I don't even get a phone call from my brother, you know, but I'll get a phone call from someone I was in treatment with saying, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? You know, oh, you got five months? Awesome. You know, my family didn't even know I was five months clean and sober today, <laughs> you know, unless I told them. But... She's she's right. Uh, Myra's right. It definitely has uh, brought us a lot closer in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful. Myra, Jay, thank you guys so much for being on the show today. We look forward to having you again sometime. We're glad to be here. Thanks, Casey. Since we recorded this interview, Jay and Myra let us know that Jay is coming up on eight months sober. Myra is continuing to struggle, but... Is continuing to reach out for help and says communication with her mother has gotten a little bit better. So let's get some reflection from Kira about that interview. What do you think? They remind me of us. You know, yeah, I still get that feeling in like a really nice way. I gotta say, I choked up um, every time I listened to the part of the interview with Myra talking about kind of the true meaning of family and what they discovered in recovery. Yeah. A lot of people that are in addiction and a lot of families of addicts as well have to struggle with losing family members or not wanting to be around family members. I really liked she mentioned that she went to an AA meeting on on Thanksgiving and mom didn't like that idea. And I was thinking that those meetings are very well attended on family (laughs) holidays. Yes, they are. There's a reason. (laughs) Um, I gotta say, I mean, you know, Kira, you know that my family stopped talking to me for a few years and that was when I was still in my addiction. I remember that, yeah. And I will say that, you know, getting into recovery did not magically repair all of that, but over time I watched my family grow closer and closer and, uh, you know, we got to a point where we had gone from not talking at all, don't darken my doorstep, you don't love anyone, you're Mm. crazy, to... Now where my mom wants to know, when am I going to see you again? And, you know, we stay at her house on Christmas. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is. And one thing that I really know about that is it didn't happen overnight. No. No. It did not. It took a long time. It took just showing up and making, they call it a living amends if you're working the steps. Step nine is where you make amends to people that you've harmed. And sometimes... Sometimes apologizing, usually I think apologizing is not enough when it's a family member. 
that you've hurt over and over again and had a lot of history with, and maybe they've hurt you too, and they're not making amends. So you make your living amends to sort of show who you are now. And your mom really loves you a lot. She's very proud of the person that you are now. And that was not the case for a while. No, it wasn't. And we were out of contact. And during the time we were out of contact, I was working on myself. But in my recovery, I was able to show up in a way to be honest with my family in a way that I simply had not even considered as a possibility before. Not because I thought they couldn't handle it. I just didn't think being honest was a good idea. (laughs) The truth hurts. Well, when you're in active addiction, uh, you know, being honest is not always the best policy. I mean, how can I continue my active addiction and be honest with people? So that change within my family and being able to bring a greater level of honesty about myself into my family. I think ultimately, I believe that became more healing for everyone. I mean, they'd all have to speak for themselves, but I certainly know what it did for our relationship. Yeah, our relationship, uh, our relationship was not going to survive without recovery. First for you and then for both of us. But uh, certainly I needed to heal both as an addict and as a wife of an addict. I'm sure glad you did. Me too. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's a good place to start wrapping up this episode. But, you know, I know we're not the only ones who have ever noticed what is so cool about relationships and recovery. So before we go, I want to hear a little bit from some other people who might be able to talk from their direct experience about that. Let's do it. What is the best thing about being in a relationship in recovery? Man, I'm I'm glad you asked that question. By far to me, the best thing that me and my current relationship that we experience is the fact that we have a program to rely back on and we can, we have an awareness of our character defects. We have an awareness of how we're acting and how we're conducting ourselves. The best things about relationships is it's authentic and um, you get to be vulnerable and you learn so much about yourself and about other people and you care and your heart opens and sometimes it's painful but I realize that through the pain it's like your heart is growing, right? It's making space and stretching your heart to be able to be open for other people. I think the best things for me is being really vulnerable and open and transparent um, about who I am today and I have found somebody else that is kind of in the same spot with me, so us growing together and being vulnerable together has really helped a lot. Um, I feel like it's a really special thing that we can both kind of go through that together. Probably getting to share my life with someone, because before I wasn't sharing my life with anybody, I wasn't even sharing it with myself. Being in recovery has allowed me to be authentic and honest, not only in communication, but just in overall honesty of the situation. I can share a journey with someone. You know, I can share my experience with someone. I can um, I can be present for people today. I think that was the, one of the hardest things for me before recovery was that I wasn't able to be present for the people I love. And today I get to do that and it's amazing. Being there as a spiritual program, we have an employer that we call God. Right, and so I try to do the right things under his eyes and I try to check myself and so does she. We believe in the same God, which is really cool. Right, so like um, the fact that we have a program and we have a higher accountability, 
we're not just accountable to each other, but we're looking both to a higher, um, I guess a higher consciousness to align both of our consciousness with, so that we don't like, um, she doesn't become a higher power and I don't become hers. He encourages me to go to meetings. He encourages me to call my sponsor. Ultimately, like it got to the point where he was like, okay, like this is your life and this has to be part of my life, but I want to be a part of your life. Um, and he's one of the most supportive, you know, people in my life. Ah, what a great dose of experience, strength, and hope around relationships and recovery. We want to thank you for being with us for another episode of Addiction and the Family. As they say in so many recovery fellowships, take what you liked and leave the rest. Focus on what you can do for your own recovery today and give your loved ones the freedom to make their own choices. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. It means a lot to us. If you know someone else who can use what we have to offer, please tell them about Addiction and the Family. All of our episodes and more can be found at addictionandthefamily.info. If you have comments about this podcast, have a question you'd like to hear answered on the show, want to contribute your voice, or just want to say hi, you can write to us at addictionandthefamily at gmail.com. We're also happy to be your friend on Facebook, and we can be found tweeting on Twitter. Addiction in the Family is produced, written, and engineered by Kira and Casey Ariaga, with music by Casey. In our next episode, we will dig deep into the science of addiction, especially what is happening in the brain, how people with addiction lose the power of choice, and where hope and recovery can be found. See you then. That was hilarious, I love it.